power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. to do something in your life. Hallelujah. When you read Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 2, you find that the man of God said that, And the Spirit entered me when he spake his words unto me and set me upon my feet. Amen. The Holy Ghost backs every word of God. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, Neighbor, the Holy Spirit backs every word of God. So every time the word of God comes, the Spirit of God moves in your life. Amen. Yes. You know, Pastor Gideon preached some time ago about the seven streams of worship. And frankly, ever since then, my worship and praise has moved one level higher. Amen. I take worship and praise more seriously. Thanks to Pastor Gideon's sermon. Hallelujah. It came to work something in my life. Amen. Tonight we'll be hearing more about the church. There's a spirit, there's a power that's going to follow the word. If you open up your heart, you will receive a certain impartation. Hallelujah. You will receive a certain understanding. Amen. You will receive a certain grace and zeal for the church like never before. And so if you are ready as I am, join me as we receive the ministration of our Father, Dr. Leslie Kakupong. Or you want to put your hands together and appreciate God. Hallelujah. You may take your seats. Some of you don't understand why we are laughing. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many of you are happy to be in church this evening? Wow. Alright. So, um, today we are going to continue with the series on the church. Um, today I want to deal with the subject of the church and the cult. The church and the cult. Hallelujah. Anyway, before I start, I want us to acknowledge the presence of our newlywed couple. Give us a wave. Give us a wave. Sunday will introduce you properly. And I shall worry you on Sunday. <laughs> Alright. So I'm going to talk about the church and the cult. The church and the cult. Now, a lot of times when we talk about the word cult, our mind goes onto something occultic because of the word cult. Our mind goes on to the, something occultic. You see, today's message is, is meant to increase your knowledge level. Hallelujah. It may not apply to you as in it's choking you or it's speaking to your personal situation. But as I told you, growth means to add on. And today we are adding on to what we know. Hallelujah. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the church and the cult. The church and the cult. 
I'm sure you have a lot of online dictionaries and stuff, stuff like that. Somebody should read the definition of a cult. C-U-L-T. A cult is not necessarily occultic. Alright? Cult is not necessarily occultic. There are certain things that make a group become a cult. And they are... A church can easily become a cult. Or a cultic church. There are pure cults, pure churches, and then cultic churches. Hallelujah. We don't want to be a cultic church. We don't want to be a cult. We want to be a church. Hallelujah. And so some of these messages are, are meant to be like immunization. We are inoculating the, the, the church. We are immunizing the church. Hallelujah. Because the truth is that a lot of churches that end up having cult-like tendencies, that's not how they intended it to be in the beginning. There are some that the leaders actually set out and that is what they want. That is their aim right from the beginning. But most of the time, the whole thing just becomes some way after a while. Simply because people just deviate from pure biblical teachings and all of that. Anybody has anybody got the definition of a cult? Yes, Pastor Gideon. A small religious group that is not part of a large or more accepted religion, and that has beliefs regarded by many people as extreme or dangerous. Hallelujah. Yes. So a church can easily become a cult. Now let me give you the the, the background of how denominationalism came, alright? With this series on the church, as I said, we'll be delving a lot into church history. We'll be going a lot into church history. We'll be going back to see how certain things came about. How certain things are what they are now. What their antecedents were. Now, Denominationalism wasn't initially part of God's plan for the church. Hallelujah. God didn't plan the church with denominations in mind. He had one body in mind. That is why when you look at the New Testament, they'll say the church at Corinth. Corinth was like how Accra is. It was a city. They were all one church, just that they were meeting in different places. Hallelujah. So they said the church at Corinth, the church at Ephesus, the church at Rome. That's why Paul could write one letter to the entire church in a place. Because they were all one. They were not different denominations. So denominationalism, that I am this and I am that and I am that, it wasn't part of God's original plan. So how did denominationalism come about? Denominationalism was a creation of man. Human beings created denominations and they got to it and God just endorsed it. It's just like how God's plan for Israel was not for them to have kings. But they forced them and God said, okay, you let me just endorse it for you. But denominationalism wasn't part of God's original plan. In his mind, it's like when you come to Accra, the whole church in Accra is one church. 
just meeting in different places. Nothing like charismatic, Pentecostal, Orthodox, and under Orthodox you have Presbyterian, you have this, that, that, that. That wasn't God's original plan. All of us were supposed to be one, believing one thing. One baptism, one Lord, one... That, that was his aim, alright? But there are certain things that caused denominationalism to come about. And you see, one of them was doctrinal differences. I taught you, when I was doing the series on the Word, the Word of God, I, I told you that doctrine means teaching. Alright? I gave you the difference between doctrine and dogma. When we say something is dogma, it is those things that uh, you can't touch in Christianity. You can't, you can't change those things. It's like, the moment you veer away from those things, we can't call you a Christian anymore. Those are dogmatic things. But we also have doctrines. Doctrines are teachings. Alright? And I even showed you ways of testing doctrine. I'm not going to test your remembrance of those things. I gave you... How many steps were they? How many steps were they? Five steps. Alright, who, who will rattle them for me in 30 seconds? Somebody. We'll give the marks to your to your cell group. <laughs> yes, anybody to volunteer the five steps. Test of origin, yes. What's the second one? Test of authority. Consistency with scripture. Whether it promotes spiritual growth. Whether it promotes godliness. Yes. So those are the five things you use to test any doctrine, any teaching at all. So doctrinal differences caused denominationalism to come about. When people had different interpretations of scripture, it resulted in, okay, no, this is not how, what this scripture means. This is not what this scripture means. Some people have interpreted certain portions of scripture and they've, they've, they've concluded that miracles have ended. Speaking in tongues has ended. So, why should we speak in tongues in the church? This, that, that. So, those who are speaking in tongues, this, 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 you are in error. And then those who are speaking in tongues, you are, no, we too, we have caught fire. We can't be with you, Charlie. Let us leave the people who are not ready to move with the flow of the Spirit. Let's go and do our own thing. So, doctrinal differences and then unwillingness to accept moves of God. Unwillingness to accept moves of God. This thing we call Pentecostalism, which has become a denomination, and now we have Pentecostal churches. It wasn't meant to be a denomination. Pentecostalism was supposed to be a move. Somebody say a move. Every now and then God brings moves. You see, let me, let me explain to you what Pentecostalism is. We all know Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, when God poured out the Holy Spirit upon his disciples with the evidence of them speaking in tongues, right? There was a very long period in Christianity where this thing was lost. Maybe if there's time during this series, I'll, I'll, I'll teach you about the church and error. There was a time the church went into serious error. Like, what we were doing as church had not, like, it looked nothing, I'm talking about centuries old. It looked nothing like what God intended it to be. Serious error. A lot of idolatry, a lot of things. On Sunday, I'm preaching on what happened. I'm still in the series on the church. I know that the title sounds like a Chinese movie, but it's not a Chinese movie. <laughs> I'm preaching on what I call Shadows of the Golden Calf. 
it's like some <laughs> Chinese karate movie. Shadows of the Golden Calf. <laughs> so it's like I've forgotten what I'm saying. What did I say before I, I said the shadows of the golden calf? Yes, there was a time the church really went into error, like serious error. What we were doing had it didn't look anything like like Christianity. And so God decided to restore the Pentecostal experience. So somewhere I've forgotten the, the exact century. There was a revival. It started on the Azusa Street with a man called William Seymour, a black man. Those days, for years, nobody had spoken in tongues on earth. And then suddenly, this group of people started meeting in some room on Azusa Street. Suddenly, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. One person began to speak in tongues. And then the thing just caught on like wildfire. And that experience that people had on Azusa Street has now become an experience that 600 million people on earth right now. So right now when we talk about people who are like the estimate of people who have had the Pentecost experience, the estimate is about 600 million people on earth currently. So when that revival came, there was a restoration of the Pentecost experience. So it was a move which was called Pentecostalism. Hallelujah. It wasn't meant to be a denomination. It was meant to be a move. So, God was just restoring something to the body of Christ. But you know, as usual, some people were steeped in the old way of doing things. They were not prepared to change. Hey, we're from this city, blah, 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 blah. Things people are doing. That's not how we do things and blah, blah. And these people believe they are caught something genuine in all of that so they had to separate themselves from the mainstream and that was what became the Pentecostal move but Pentecostalism wasn't supposed to be a denomination it was supposed to be a move it was supposed to be a revival so this thing called the Pentecost experience is not for Pentecostals it's for the charismatic it's for the orthodox it's for the Catholic it's for the Presbyterian it's for every Christian hallelujah and how did charismatism also come? After God restored Pentecostalism and speaking in tongues came again. It, didn't, it came with a few flashes here and there of the gifts of the Spirit. So people were prophesying here and there. People were you know, healing here and there. But it wasn't major. It was just in sprinkles. But it came to a time when there was a major revival where suddenly healings and things started happening again especially in the western world when god started raising the oral roberts and the e.e allens and most of those you you hear about the william brahams and those people in god's generals suddenly we started seeing accurate prophecies again i mean healings raising of the dead like it's like the apostolic era was coming back we had healing evangelists once again people were moving from country to country gathering crowds in stadiums and all of that and it was a move to restore the gifts of the spirit and the greek word for gifts is charismata charismata when they say somebody has charisma it means the person is gifted charismata so it was a move to restore the charismata so it became the charismatic move and yet again human beings we have inertia 
when something comes, when God restores something, we don't want to move with it. So resistance and blah, blah, blah. So those who were moving with those things also, then charismatism came. But charismatism is supposed to be a move within the church. So charismatism is for the Methodists, is for the Presbyterian, is for the overflow uh, member, is for the Pentecostal, is for everybody. Hallelujah. So I'm just trying to prove to you that denominationalism wasn't part of God's original plan. Man created it because of certain differences and stuff like that. And God just endorsed it on like, okay, you do what you want to do. But then, out of the denominationalism too, came what we call sects. S-E-C-T-S. Sects. Okay, but today I'm not going to talk about sects. But then we also have what we call cults. We have cults. Cults are not necessarily just churches. You can actually have a prayer group, but it's operating with the characteristics of a cult. And it's very easy to veer into that kind of error, and you don't even realize that is what is happening. But sometimes you actually have leaders who are consciously operating a cult. And we need some of these teachings for two reasons. I won't deceive myself that for most of you, overflow is your only source of spiritual nourishment. Maybe you have some prayer gathering on some park in the night somewhere. Some interesting group that meets once every month or something. So these teachings are meant for you to be cautious. Hallelujah. So that even if you are not going to be a victim of cults, maybe you know somebody. Most of the time everything is somebody. Relationship seminar. Questions are, a friend of mine, this is, this is never we ourselves. So maybe a friend of yours is under the influence of, of a group that is operating as a cult. I'm going to take you through some characteristics. Maybe I'll give you like seven characteristics of a cult. Those are things that when you recognize. You see, of these seven, if a group exhibits one, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a cult. But it's a red flag. It's a, re- it's a danger sign. It's a danger sign. So are you ready for the... Alright. So the first characteristic of a cult is that cults discourage critical and objective thinking. They discourage critical and objective thinking. Because you see, at the end of the day, the whole aim of a cult is control. For you, for your, your whole life will be controlled. Your marriage will be controlled. Your finances will be controlled. Everything is like you become like a pawn. Like that. And so they discourage critical and objective thinking. When you ask questions, it is seen as you are being disrespectful to spiritual authority. But you see, you must ask questions. It's a matter of how you ask the question. Hallelujah. The Bible encourages us us to ask questions. 
Paul commended the church at Berea, Acts chapter 17. He said they are more noble than the church at what? Bible scholar. Than the church at what? At Thessalonica. Why? Because when the Berean church was taught, they would go back to the word to check whether that which was said was true. And Paul never saw it as disrespect. Me and whole Paul. Anointed like this. Have been to heaven. You have you raised the dead before? Go and ask Eutychus. I am teaching you something. And you want to go back and check. <laughs> but Paul commended them. And that is what we are supposed to do. Hallelujah. When you go to check, it is not disrespect. It is not disrespect for authority. You are obeying scriptures. Hallelujah. You, you must be responsible for what you feed your spirit with. Everybody must have a sieve on their heart. It's not everything you must allow to enter. Especially in this day and age where preaching, you can have preaching. You can be listening to me right now and be listening to another preaching right now. Like, as we are speaking now. It's, it's possible because of technology. So we have been bombarded left, right, like that. Sometimes you hear some things on TV and radio like, Hey! This one there is deep. <laughs> very, very deep is with capital letters. <laughs> very, very deep. Even the Holy Ghost will not understand. <laughs> and so we must have a, 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 a sieve on our hearts. Critical thinking and objective thinking must be encouraged. Hallelujah. So when you ask questions, you can be corrected. Sometimes in your questions, you are even going to error. Then you can be corrected. Bring the person. But you, you can't suppress critical thinking. You can't let... It's like in some places, you are, you are not allowed to think for yourself. Just be fair. Take what has been said. And so you find a lot of people, they can't even quote... And say, the Bible says, the Bible says, everything my pastor says, my bishop says, my this says, my this says, my this says. Those are signs, they are, they are cultic signs. Hallelujah. You should be able to have people who can ask questions. Oh, this thing that was taught, I didn't really understand it this way. Could it be this? I read this somewhere. Could it be that it's like this? this, this? When, 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 if you are going to have a healthy church or a healthy group, that kind of thing must be allowed. Hallelujah. So cults will not encourage critical and objective thinking. That's characteristic number one. Number two, and take this one very seriously. Cults dishonor the family unit. Cults. They dishonor the family unit. And I will explain. You see, if you are anywhere and you are made to think like family is not important, doing the work of God is is more important than family. Those kind of things, you need to watch it. Hallelujah. It's God who instituted the, 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 the family system. Hallelujah. Calls have a way of making you feel like... And, and the whole idea is that you should be detached from the very people who can snatch you out of it. So that even when you are moving into error, there's nobody... 
It's like you are detached from friends, you are detached from family, you are detached from everybody, such that the control can be full. Are you getting the point I'm making? It's like family is not important. Oh, oh, parents, oh, children, those kind of things. When you see such teachings, it's like everything is about the group. Everything is about the group. Everything is about the group. It is dangerous. When children are taught to obey the leader more than their father, the one who gives birth, gave birth to them and pays their school fees and makes sure they are, they are alive. When women are encouraged not to respect their husbands but to respect the leader, when you see such things, it's a problem. Hallelujah. You see, the Bible says you should respect those that have rule over you. But the same Bible also says sometimes we get to the point where it's like the, the cult leader controls every aspect of your life. Even you as a married couple, every single decision you need to consult. The, and, and I don't know where they get the energy and the time to control all the people like that. Every single decision, the slightest decision you have to make even number of children you have this even what you eat hey Monday if you eat this a demon will come and stand at your door if you like go and eat it and see no 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 don't put too much effort in the food you dream some very powerful dream you see a crocodile ah! in the middle of the night control some people they can't travel until their pastor has anointed their passport hey until you are anointed, go and buy the oil some and I, if that is what you feel like doing, do it. Hallelujah. But there's, there's so much control. So much control. You see, if you are a married couple eh, and there is a decision, there's a decision. This one, I'm firing it at the ladies. Amen, ladies. And there is a decision. And the leaders is a decision regarding the family and your, your leader says this it should be this and your husband says it's the opposite which one are you going to obey i'm going to obey, obey. okay let me let me put it there if me <laughs> if me So, mommy, assuming you are married in the church, you are married to somebody in the church. <laughs> yes, you. I'm talking about you. Assuming you, you were married in the church, you were both in the church, right? Oh, okay, you are married. Maybe he's not even in the church or something. And there is a decision related to the family. And I, I come, I say, do it this way. But your husband says, no, it should be done this way. And I'm assuming you've married a Christian, spirit-filled Christian, not an Amalekite. Which of the two of us are you going to follow? The Bible says to honor your own husband. Beautiful, clap for her. Own husband. Because me too, I am somebody's husband. Your, the key word is own. 
When we are quoting that scripture, we, leave, we don't pay attention to their own. It's a woman. You let Ephesians 5.22. Let's read it together. Go. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands. Ask unto the Lord. Your own. So me too, I'm somebody's husband. Hallelujah. Yes. I mean, some of these things may sound funny, but it's scripture. The scripture. That, you see, that is why you must marry correct guys. Uh, go and take an Amalekite, he will lead you into the path of unrighteousness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. So, the family unit must not be disrespected at all. You can't be more loyal to your pastor than you are to your husband. You can't be more loyal to your pastor than you are to your wife or to your children. When you see such tendencies where you are encouraged to do those things, it is a sign of a cultic church. Number three. Cults isolate their members. So as I said, they try to cut you away from a lot of things. Family, even the larger church, like the body of Christ as a whole. There's a way in which you can be cut off from the rest of the body of Christ. You know how that can be done? You are not allowed to attend any meeting that is not from your church. So even if your metal is having worship program at National Theatre, no, 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 don't go. We have worship in the church here. So you can't go to your metal. No, 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 you can't go for your metal. Oh, there's a conference, love revolution conference or impact or whatever. Hey, no, 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 no. Why should you? Aren't you being taught yet? Aren't you, aren't you satisfied with what you have been? You, you can't say anything. <laughs> it's like that. Because they, they aim at isolating. It's like you're alone. And it's all because the aim at the end of the day is control. So you are cut off from everything. Sometimes you even be told, don't listen to any other message apart from your pastor's message. Hey, sir. It's enough. It's enough. Don't listen to any other. You shouldn't have anything on your pen drive that is not the voice of your pastor. Those are signs. The church may not be a cult here too, but if it is not checked, you can easily get into that realm when you become a cult. Nobody is the repository of all the anointing in this world. Hallelujah. Nobody. Nobody. So in this church, you are allowed to listen to other preachers. Hallelujah. Make sure they are preaching good and preaching correct. So isolation. The people are isolated. There are people who are in cultic churches and they are totally isolated from their family. It's like, and sometimes they use, you know, these manipulative things. Hey, your mother is a, is a witch. Your father is this, this, that, 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 that. So they start fighting with everybody. And the very people who can influence you enough to pull you away from their influence, they try and just cut you away from all of those things. Sometimes one of the reasons why you are not even allowed to listen to any... When you listen to others, the errors in their teachings will be exposed. 
So you are not allowed to listen to any other preacher. Just listen to your pastor, your pastor, your pastor, your pastor. And when that happens, it's, your mind becomes so skewed in how you see the world, how you see the word, how you see God. Everything becomes one way. And it becomes very easy for you to be manipulated and pushed around. You see, this thing, called, this thing with cults, eh, it can get so bad that people even lose their lives as a result of it. If I had time, I would have taken you through history, especially in America, where cults have arisen and people have died. People have been brainwashed to the point where they were prepared to take their lives. They were prepared to take their lives. I'm sure you've heard of Jim Jones. Jim Jones. And most of the time, these people, they are some handsome, charismatic guys. Like, they have a lot of charisma. They know how to talk. I was listening to Jim Jones talk. Like a recording of one of his preachings. I was like, what? This one, if you are not strong, you go and follow the guy. Like, he, he knows how to talk. At the point, he was like, oh. when something good happens in your life, you say, Jesus did it. What do you mean? I did it. That's all, no? You are sure? Go and watch multi TV. When somebody, when they are praying for people, they finish praying for you, say, maybe. Haven't you seen some people? Maybe, maybe, maybe. As I said, if good things are happening in your life, what do you mean by you are saying it's Jesus who has done it? I have done it. Jim Jones. Done it. He managed to take his followers into some forest in, I think, Guyana. And because he was teaching wrong things, like wrong, wrong, wrong things. And he taught them something, they would go to heaven, something, something. They all drank, was a cyanide, poison. When you see the picture, mass death. Hundreds or even thousands of people. Women, men, children, everybody died just like that. Because of one man's control. And that's how God so prayed. And most of these people, it was either like a whole family that has been detached from the rest of their world. They, they were complete. They were in a forest. Like they, 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 they weren't allowed access into to, to, to the real world. They were just there being pumped with this man's wrong false teachings. Another one, that one happened recently. Okay, as recently as the 90s. <laughs> Many of you were not born. <laughs> then, it's called David Koresh. Waco, Texas. There's even a movie on it. And, and when you watch the movie, you'll be disgusted. At some of the things these people were doing. They also killed themselves. They were waiting for the, 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 the second coming of Christ. So let's all die. You know, anybody who comes and gives you a date... That this is the day Jesus Christ is coming. Watch the person again. No correct preacher with the Holy Ghost in him will actually stand and tell you that on uh, 26th February 2019. For you know, I'm prophesying. You know. <laughs> on that day, Jesus Christ is coming. Nobody can predict it. The Bible even tells us that the angels don't know. Even the son, he doesn't know. Maybe while he was on earth, he didn't know. But I don't know when he went to heaven. He's been sitting close to God. Charlie, give me the fill. <laughs> and one thing I know Jesus is good at is convincing God. 
That has been his full-time ministry since he died. Convincing him to do the things that he's been doing for you. Hallelujah. So it's possible he's managed to convince God to tell him the lead. But you human beings don't even attempt it. About four years ago, some guy I had a bit of respect to, he came on air, giddy, 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 then, then, then. Things. Jesus was going, he gave the date. The day came to pass. I remember when we were small, somebody predicted some day, like that. And you see, fortunately, unfortunately, that day too, there was a storm. Hey! I said that day, the way I prayed. Oh my God. Small boy. Said the world was coming to an end. The whole day when we went to school, primary school, that's what everybody was talking about. Though. And when we were about to close to stop, the whole place started getting like, hey, this one day, Jesus is coming. I got home. That day, I'm sure my heart was very, very pure that day. Like, hey. The wind started blowing. Now go and look in the sky. Will he come from this corner? Will he come from this corner? And lightning. Oh, when the lightning came, I closed my eyes. I was expecting to open my eyes and see Jesus. Standing there like that. Sure, the day came to pass. The next day I woke up. Oh, <laughs> what a shock! <laughs> Nothing happened. Anybody you see trying to predict the day Jesus is coming, watch the person twice. There was another one. He told them the day Jesus was coming. So people sold all their properties. They had parties. They enjoyed themselves. People's life savings, hundreds of thousands of dollars, they blew it. Because Jesus is going to come, they are going to heaven. What, why, why, why should my money be in the bank? Oh, they had fun. Papa, papa, the day came to pass. When they woke up and they realized they are officially broke men. Right now, it's official. <laughs> they are broke. This when he became trouble. And the leader ran away. There's some guy walking around in Russia. Unfortunately for him, he has long blonde hair with a beard. He says he's Jesus. So he walks around in a white robe and people are following him. You see, it, it doesn't it doesn't take much to get people who can't think for themselves to follow you. It doesn't take much at all. I remember when we were growing up, there was this man here in Ghana. He said he had gotten a new revelation. And based on that revelation, he started a a religious group. He said, and it was all based on Revelation chapter 3 verse 4. Give me Revelation chapter 3 verse 4. Revelation chapter 3 verse 4. And trust me, this man had 3,000 followers in Ghana. It was a mega church. No, let, let's start from verse 1 and see. Let's read down. There's some particular word I'm looking for. Next verse. Let, let's look for it quickly. I want, I want you to see it for yourself. Refer to himself as that's here, the, the Amen. Pardon. Verse 14. Okay, I said verse 4. It's 14. Okay. So give me 14. It said, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things said the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Just the fact that 
He said, These things say it, the Amen. And he said, The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. This guy interpreted this part of the scripture to mean that there was a higher being than God called the Amen. And so he rather must be worshipped. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you see, there's no time for me to explain this scripture. It's it's, it's a lot of things. It's, it's, it's deep. So <laughs> maybe another time. Ow, He said, "It's a higher creature than God, like a higher being than God." And to make matters worse, he changed his name to. Amen, Reynolds. So literally, he tried to talk about himself. And this man had 3,000 followers in Accra here, in Ghana. I said, it doesn't take much to twist people's brains for them to follow you. If everybody is following God and you, you have found a higher being. Charlie, you're on a different plane altogether. So they isolate their members. And they find ways of penalizing those who go away. It's like when you seem to be drifting away a bit. When you start interacting too much with that. They find ways of penalizing you and making you feel like there's something wrong with you. So these are, there are strict rules. You marry within. Church, you can't go and marry somebody. No, 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 no. no. You can't go and marry somebody. If you begin to like, a pastor will destroy the relationship right now. You tell you one or two things. Hey, I see a pig chasing him. A lot opened my eyes. I saw two demons standing at this gate. If you like going to the house, you spoil it fast, 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 fast. All because of control. They don't want you to have any interaction with the outside world. When you hear a pastor say, If you leave me, it will never be well with you. If you leave my church. If you leave my covering, it will never be well with you. That is a, a, a cultic pastor speaking. All of us, we are under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. All under the shadow of the Almighty. Yes, we are the shepherd. This is a bad. That's what the, the covering, the, the main covering is from above. Hallelujah. Once the person is leaving, and he's still under the covering of the Almighty. He's still safe. That's the bigger canopy. Still safe. When you hear somebody talk like that, be careful. Number four. They promote an inappropriate, say inappropriate, appropriate kind of loyalty, especially to the leader. And the key word is word inappropriate. There's nothing wrong with loyalty. Alright? There's nothing wrong with loyalty. I can give you a lot of scriptures that promote loyalty. But when it becomes inappropriate and it's now bordering on control, then it is worrying. Our ultimate loyalty is to God. Alright? Our ultimate loyalty is to God. Yes, we must be loyal to ministry, you must be loyal to your leaders, and but the ultimate loyalty is to God. I ask somebody, if God, if, if your leader told you to do something, and you knew that 
according to the word, it was a wrong thing. Would you go ahead to do it? He said, yes. And he said, this reason is that the Bible says, you must obey them that have rule over you. So when God comes, he's going to deal with the leader. Because God has said he should obey him. So he's going to deal with the leader. Because he is just obeying God. You see, levels of, of brainwashing. He said, when the blind leads the blind, they will both fall into the pit. So he's leading you blind. You will both fall. God, you will not be exonerated because you are, you are, you are following a blind person. You will not. So when inappropriate levels of loyalty are being demanded, loyalty is good, but when it becomes too much, then it becomes a problem. Apparently in some places, people are forced to even covenant that I will be in this ministry for the rest of my life. Yeah. Covenant. It's like a, you, you make a covenant. After you've been in the church for a while, they make you, it's like a literally swearing. That you will be in this ministry for the rest of your life. It's like a covenant that you are making. It becomes difficult for you to move away. Those are signs of cause. They cross, number five, they cross biblical boundaries and lines of behavior. And they twist the Bible to explain themselves. They cross biblical boundaries and lines of behavior and they twist the Bible to defend themselves. So they cross biblical boundaries of morality. I had a very shocking story. There was a church where the pastor actually preaches that having sex amongst yourselves is not wrong. The whole love thing has been taken to demonic levels. So just like how we all say shake somebody, hug somebody, say something nice to somebody. One of the things that they do is that gentlemen, like we are coming to start the service, in order to relax, gentlemen, rub the ladies' backs for them to <laughs> to relax. <laughs> And apparently they do these things gradually. It's not like right from the beginning they are stripping naked and doing all sorts of things. They, they break the boundaries gradually. So it will start with that. Then inappropriate touches start coming in and all of that. The time you realize you are open to it's like a all for all kind of thing. They say it's, it's love. They are showing love to each other. With such a thing, you can't be trapped in it unless you have been totally isolated from because you will hear some message somewhere that will show you that no this thing is wrong or some family member will advise you or something but they cut you away from all these potential sources that can get you out of the place and it becomes easy sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult for you to think ah so people can be brainwashed like this for them to do the it's a it's, it's a well calculated mechanism and once you fall into it it becomes very difficult to come up they use scriptures when somebody tells you that from the Greek origin of the word fornication, fornication is only when you sleep with a prostitute. And somebody has thought that before. 
Some people know who I'm talking about. <laughs> it's not hearsay. It's, it's something, uh, reality. That fornication is only when you sleep with a prostitute. So if you are in a relationship and you are not married, you see a prostitute? No. You two are you a prostitute? No. So it's not fornication. So me, the pastor, too, am I a prostitute? You two are you a prostitute? <laughs> So they use scriptures, they twist the scriptures to justify the evil deeds, wrong deeds. And then aside isolating you from family and friends, they also isolate you from, from, from the church. It's like there's a certain monopoly. They believe they are the only ones who have the truth. You see, when, when people start talking that way, it's, it's a red sign, it's a red flag. We are the only ones that are teaching... Sometimes it's something completely new, something that, you know, some of the, anytime you hear something that seems too new, you have to look at it well. The Holy Ghost has been around since Peter and Paul and James, their time. There's nothing new under the sun. What we call new revelations are actually maybe deeper insights into things we've known already, or things we knew but we forgot, and God is reminding us once again. When you hear something that is completely off, completely new, you have to sit and take a second look at it. Don't just say it's deep. So you are taking it. You need to examine teachings critically. Otherwise you will find yourself in error. And you don't even know that you are in error. So monopoly, that, that spirit of monopoly, they talk down on other churches. Oh, you people who do you don't have the spirit of God. This, 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 this. We are the ones who are carrying the thing. Come on, what are you talking about? I'm gonna leave your old-fashioned church and come here. That's where life is. I mean, I don't want to hear any overflow person describing us like that. Hallelujah. We don't have it all. We are still learning. And gradually, by God's grace, we we'll move from glory to glory. So when you are going to invite somebody to church, don't go and rubbish the person's church. Oh, what church you are saying? <laughs> what did you say again? Please, <laughs> uh, what do you people know? You don't learn anything. Criticizing here and there. It is cults that do that. There's no perfect church in the world. Every church has its issues. Every church has issues. Every church has places it must. When I take you through the, when when I when I'm dealing with the letters to the seven churches, realize every church has. Oh, Jesus will praise them and they say, "But there's this and this and this." So work on it. Every church has things is working on. You can't look at the negatives and the things that they have to work on and condemn them. Unless, of course, what they are doing is completely in deviation from the dogma, the, those established truths, the things that, that identify us as Christians. Then you can say, oh, this person, what he's doing is not, it's not Christianity. But if it's small, small things here and there that they are working on, eh, small, small, we'll work on them. Hallelujah. He said, I will build my church. You'll build it. So small, small, gradually you'll build it. With all its weaknesses and everything, he'll present himself a church that without spot and without wrinkle. We are trusting God that the revival will come that will solve all these problems that we have in the church. 
so that we can be raptured in the way Christ expects us to be raptured. Hallelujah. So that spirit of monopoly must not be there. It mustn't be there at all. And the last one. They emphasize special revelation outside the boundaries of scripture. It's outside the boundaries of scripture. It's, it's not scripture. It's, it's outside the boundaries of scripture. The, the, it's like they emphasize those ones. Look at this amen thing that I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's completely off. But that is what the church was built on. That is the revelation of where the church was built. And those is what I was teaching about the word. I, 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 I mentioned certain types of preachers and teachers you must avoid. Do you remember some of them? The charlatan, the heretic, the tickler. The tickler is the one who always wants to make people happy. So they say the things that you want, you know. Uh-huh. What else? The divider. The one who can be. Your mother is a witch. Watch her. Mm. Come and cause confusion among families, among friends, and stuff like that. What else? The abuser. They abuse people sexually. They use the grace of God as an, as an excuse to misbehave. Some of them even abuse physically. You know some pastors beat their church members. Like when you misbehave, it's part of the disciplinary. Charlie, get me again. I want a big fat one. If you misbehave, we shall lay you on the table in front of the whole church and lash you. Let's be that some, some even punch. They beat. It's part of the. I remember some time ago they brought some pastor to Metro TV. A man and his, what do you call it, wife. And they dragged him to Metro TV because they had done something and he picked the king and whipped them in public. And the pastor was, 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 was defending it. Yes, I am their shepherd. Don't you see when the sheep are misbehaving, the boys will whip them. So he's also supposed to beat them. Grown man and grown woman. I'm not talking about teenagers. Actually beat them. And so we need to be careful about these things. So these are seven signs of a cult. As I said, one of these is, doesn't mean the church is a cult. But it's a red flag. It's something that has to be watched. And for us, it is meant for us to be vigilant. Hallelujah. Some of those who have gone into these errors, that's not how they started. That's not how they started. And I'm teaching you these things too because, you see, now we are going to divide into smaller groups. If your leader is beginning to show certain tendencies, teaching you strange things, you better report. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't be tired that time you realize some particular cell is beginning to look some way. Doing some things and doing some very, very funny things. We don't want anything like that. So this session is an immunization session. Hallelujah. And I pray that the Lord will open our eyes to more revelation in His Word. Amen. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? Shall we pray? We just want to spend two seconds praying for the church. We want to pray that Lord preserve us from error. Yes, we've started well. We've started on right principle. Let's stand to our feet and pray. We want to pray that Lord preserve us.
let godly principles continue to remain in this ministry. Help us not to move into error. Help us not to deviate into error. We want to silence every voice of the deceiver. Any voice that shall come to deceive us onto a wrong path. We want to pray that Lord preserve us. Preserve us. Preserve us. Preserve us. Let everything that we do be within the confines of your words. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. May we not be like a perfect church. May we be a pure church. With our ultimate loyalty to God Himself. With our ultimate loyalty to Jesus Christ Himself. Let your hand continue to rest upon us. Let your grace be sufficient for us and let your strength be made perfect. Even in the times of our weaknesses. Just lift up your voice. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupong. Be blessed as you listen.